Welcome to the first ever recording of the Daybreak Young Adults podcast. We have a massive live studio audience. I'm just kidding. We have the (laughs) few, the proud, the brave, sold out young adults. My name is Shane Corzine. I serve as the young adult pastor at Daybreak Community Church in Carlsbad, California. The Daybreak Young Adults podcast exists to answer the questions that young adults are asking from a pastor and a professional. Our goal is to bring wisdom and insight into things that young adults are wrestling with. Each episode, we will have a different guest. Our goal is to do this every month. And we are starting with my favorite podcaster in the whole world. Take that, Joe Rogan. Take that, Logan Paul. (laughs) My dog, Mr. (laughs) Kelly Cardenas, is here with us. Kelly has been an inspiration to me since I met him. Mm. He challenged me in one massive area that everyone has been in from yes it was in this room yes it was in this room before it got redesigned exactly kelly was sitting with me and he told me don't be so overwhelmed with how you're doing the things just do the things with god such a simple principle but really changed me to not be just hyper focused on oh my gosh i gotta have 85 million disciplines (laughs) but having one consistent and that's doing life with jesus and then also more trivial but my wife is grateful for Kelly told me that a man unlocks a new level of himself when he allows his hair to grow past his ears. So I have grown my hair out since then. But in all seriousness, Kelly, I would love it if you could just start real quick, just checking in, telling us what are you doing right now in this season of life? You've done a lot of things. We'll talk about those different things. But currently right now, who is Kelly Cardenas? <laughs> I'm a dad first. Yes. Uh, well, I, I would say a dad first, and I, I love being a husband. Uh, I love, uh, my wife is super hot, and um, I like being husband, um, but then there's dad too, and um, so that that's the, the main focal point. Um, the ancillary parts are uh, the podcast, um, and, and I speak publicly. I've been doing that for 30 years, but I just, my wife asked me in 2019 what I wanted to do when I grew up, and I said I want a podcast, and I only want to speak, and she said, well, how much money we got in the bank? I told her. She said, how much do we spend a month? I told her. And she's like, then let's go do it. Wow. And um, she really has given me the permission to try, you know. And so we're, we're building this thing. Everyone said that the only way you could build a podcast was to uh, build a podcast, create a course, create a funnel, and then you got to drive everyone to the course and sell the thing. And when I told them I had a podcast, they're like, okay, so what's the course and what's the funnel? And I said, the podcast is the product. And they were like, no, no, no. It has to be something else. And I, and I was like, I don't want it to be that. I want the podcast to be the product. Hmm. And so I'm, I'm currently building that. Yes. And one of the coolest achievements of your podcast, <laughs> I'm going to brag on you. Is having Chandler on the show well, twice. Yes, I have been on the show twice. But you just recently interviewed the one, the only, Eddie George, running back <laughs> for your favorite team. Yeah. It is football season. Yeah. Hot take. Are your Titans taking it down this uh, year? I think we're going 17-0. Uh, We'll go home field and then we'll win the Super Bowl undefeated. Um, You know, take that Miami Dolphins downside of that. We go 16 and one (laughs) home field and we win the Super Bowl. So, I mean, either way I win. Right. So I'm the most irrational fan of all time. And I believe this every season. But I go to a lot of therapy after the season. That's true. That's true. I think every sports (laughs) fan has that kind of going for him. So, Kelly, um, Man, when I when I think about Kelly Cardenas, I think about a man that is so in tune with who God is and what God is saying to you. Oftentimes, you'll come to me and you'll say like just little nuggets of, "Man, I was I was praying for you. I was we were reading the Bible together and God spoke this out to me." What does your relationship with Jesus look like in this season? I say in this season because mm-hmm. you're one of those guys that's told me like it's not going to look the same every season. Mm-hmm. So, for a while there, you were to the beach every morning at the exact same time, and then you kind of broke that routine. And so what is following Jesus right now in this season look like for you? Well, the, this season was, uh, well, I was, I was doing that and I continue to try and do it every day. Um, but I I think I was getting a little bit bigger and uh, my pants weren't fitting. And I, God was like, you need to get on your bike, bro. And, um, come with me on your bike. So I started (laughs) riding my bike in the morning for a half an hour and, um, and kind of killing myself a little bit in the morning. And 
he's he let me know that he'll speak to me where he'll speak to me not where i think he'll speak to me that's good and sometimes and this was a hard thing to say to uh my men's group one guy was like i feel really bad because i I didn't go to church this week and my pops told me um that church was where you are and sometimes god will have you in church and sometimes he won't have you there the other day he spoke the word through lauren hill Hmm. and i got to give that word to one of my buddies who has his daughter who is uh not even one years old just got diagnosed with cancer and she's just about to start chemotherapy and here it is god's telling me through lauren hill everything is everything and i'm getting goosebumps if you listen to that song you listen to lyrics he was speaking through that but i believe that he could speak through everywhere yeah and i got to and when i told my buddy i was like you need to listen to lauren hill he thought i was going to give him some hill song but <laughs> i believe that sometimes god takes the gangster you know what i'm saying like he 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 wants you to to he wants to speak in a language where you're at hmm. as opposed to you trying to go where you think he should be hmm. that's a that's a it's an interesting point you bring up cuz i say that's that's a hallmark of who you are um you know, you've had quite a bit of success in one of the most uh, least godly cities on the planet. <laughs> you know, you for before COVID had like pretty extensive business going out there in Vegas. Yeah. How did you carry this out in Las Vegas? I mean, you've said a couple things to me in passing, like you've never drank alcohol in your life. And mm-hmm. I, I, I fathom to myself and I think about young adults in general. <laughs> and there's this this pressure of like, well, like, how, do, how am I Jesus to my friends who party, you know, because, I mean, I, we don't necessarily want to come up here on a mic and say, like, you need to go to every single party. It's not maybe the best advice ever. No. But, I mean, you're in the places where God is seen as not, you know, yeah. by, by most Christianity. But you're operating in those spaces and those places, living out your identity as a Christian. How have you gone about doing that? I think it's like a, a Brita filter, right? So if you went out and got a Brita filter— at the store it cost you probably $25 and if you took raw sewage and put in that Brita filter you better not drink that water Hmm. but if you went took that raw sewage and went down to the desalinization plant before they tore it down that was hundreds of millions of dollars you put that sewage in you could drink the water and I think that a lot of times we don't invest in our filter enough which is which is God and if we can invest the, the more you invest in your filter the more garbage you can be around the less you invest in your filter, the less garbage you could be around. Hold on, pause. Say that one more time. <laughs> that is that is an absolute truth bomb right there that I think we got to hear again. Well, I, I think we need to invest in our filter. And, and our, again, our filter is the word. And, you know, so I can be in arenas. I could be in the club and not be of the club. And Jesus was like that, too. And I'm not comparing myself to Jesus. Um but he was like that, too, because his filter was so strong. Right. But there's so many Christians out there that don't add w- real-world application to the word, meaning that they my, – my pops used to call it Christianese. And this is what I would say to every one of you that are here and every one of you guys listening, is a lot of times we're called to be a good Christian, which I think that's a redundant statement. There is no good Christian. There's just a Christian – Who's hmm. jacked up like every one of us jacked up. And I think a lot of times when my dad said the Christianese part, we become Christians. Then we surround ourselves with Christians and we don't get battle tested. Now, I'm not saying I got a boxer in the audience right now. And I'm not saying that the first time you box and you work on it, that you go fight Mike Tyson because you'll get knocked out. <laughs> but what I am saying is. That God will build you faith to faith, glory to glory, but he didn't build you so you hang around with other people who believe exactly what you believe. Hmm. That's not the way that the kingdom is going to be expanded. Although, if you're doing crack right now and you recover from crack, tomorrow you shouldn't be in a crack house. If you have 10, 12, 13 years in of building that filter, Hmm. working on the word inside of you, and then you go and you speak to crack addicts after? Okay. But I think that a lot of times we lack the real world um, application, which is, I mean, we got we to gotta feed on the word. Like, you know, m- and I, I, wasn't, I was resistant of it, especially, I mean, most of, the, most of the studio audience right now, 
Like at your age, I was resisting it a lot. My dad was telling me feed on it, just one word a day or one page a day. But it was also, I had to feed on it. And he told me this, and my pop was just the wisest man I've ever met in my life. And what he said was, does a one-year-old, does a baby know that he likes the type of food that he's eating? I said, well, he's a baby. No. Why does he eat? Because he's hungry. And over time, he gains a taste for that type of food. And as young Christians, we're just called to feed. You don't need to understand it. Just feed, 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 feed. And then someday, you're going to get in a situation where your filter will be strong enough where you could take on a little bit of sewage, a little bit more of sewage. And now, literally, I mean, I could be in the darkest, nastiest place in the world, but I know where that foundation is. That's so huge. I think that's a... Just that concept of the filter, like just so you know, I'm stealing that for my next sermon. I'm preaching in two weeks, third Thursday. Best, best, best speaker I've ever heard in my life, and I've heard I've worked with the best, honest to God. And this isn't because I I told him though, and I've seen him progress. The last sermon that he did here at Daybreak, honestly, I was like, I just wanted you to throw the mic down because you burnt it up, (laughs) and it just the floor burnt. Just everyone should leave and apply all the things that you talked about. And then just come back in a couple of months because no one should touch a stage after <laughs> you did it. Seriously. And I and yeah. I don't say that lightly. Guys, I, I'm around some of the greatest speakers in the world. I was just with the top motivational speaker in the world uh, this last weekend. And I tell you, there's nobody that I've seen mm. in my life that holds a candle to you. Thank you, Kelly. I appreciate you. This is why I bring him around, guys. No, I'm just <laughs> playing. But um, but genuinely, that, that concept of the filter, I think that is massive for young adults. Yeah. Because one thing that I'm, I'm con- I think we're constantly pushing against is if we were to ask the room, how many of you want to change the world, all of your hands would probably go up. And that's what being young is about. You know, it's, it's naive. It's take the world by storm. But then I think that a lot of us will sometimes, and I'm even feeling this, Kelly, I turned 30 on Monday. Okay, I know, I know you're saying this, but here that could be his dad. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, so with this, with this, what's happening? I think it's it's hard. And I mean, I'm I'm being honest when I'm yeah. vulnerable when I say this of like, I've even slipped into as I'm turning thirty this comparison of I haven't gotten there yet. You know, like there's so much I haven't done yet. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm so far behind. And I think for young adults, if you're not careful, you'll get to this point where you're like, why am I not seeing everything change that I touch? And why am I not seeing things move and shake the second I step into a place? And a lot of it is because God still wanted to build your filter. Yeah. And there is such a great opportunity to do that. Um, Kelly, one of the one of my favorite things about you is mm-hmm. w- what you just did. You're so encouraging. You're so empowering of other people. Um, but you've told me stories of people who have not respected that and appreciated that. I think one of the hardest times to be Jesus is when people are mistreating you, speaking bad about you. Happens a lot in young adulthood, gossip, rumors. Anyone ever had a rumor told about them? Every <laughs> hand in the house is up. Just kidding. <laughs> They're all exhausted and they didn't <laughs> raise their hands. But how do we how do we live out our identity of Christ? You know, mm-hmm. the filter in, in dark places. Yeah. But what about when when people come against us and are like really trying to attack who we are just because of how we're trying to live and love like Jesus? How have you handled that? How have you continued to operate and honor people? when they haven't been honoring to you? I mean, I think we're all human, um, you know, and I'm human as they come. Uh, There's times where I get mad at it, uh, but I remember my mom specifically because we didn't have enough money to have the type of clothes that other kids had. It's a similar story a lot of people have, and it's not a sob story, but, you know, I remember a kid made fun of me, and my mom said, uh, you know, you should thank God for them making fun of you because it's not going to kill you. There's someone out there that's not strong enough, and that's why God chose you for that person to come at you. And you should thank him for that, and you should be thankful for the fact that people will come against you because that means that God has imparted something in you that you're going to have the strength to be able to make it through. And I remember she used to tell me all the time, she, uh, she used to say, like, look in the mirror in the morning, fall in love. Hmm. And if somebody has a challenge with it, then it's their challenge. Now, this is all good and well when your mom tells you that and you're like, in theory, right? Because we all have theories. But again, the practical application out in the world. So I go to school one day and 
I don't have the clothes that everybody else has. I have a short sleeve sweater on. No, sh- no one should wear a short sleeve sweater unless you're in the Brady Bunch. You know what I'm saying? And so I have the short sleeve sweater, and it's all I got. So I'm rolling in, and when I go across the campus, there's all the tables and all the cool kids, right? And I had some cool friends, but I'm walking across, and this girl comes running. A girl. Girl. Oh. Starts yelling out, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. That's the ugliest sweater I've ever seen. Why you got a short sleeve sweater on? That's cold blood. And I was, like, shocked at first, and I was thinking, what do I do, what do I do? And then I went back, right, to my foundation because yeah. I had to filter the information. And what I had been told all the time by my mom is look in the mirror, fall in love with it. And if mm. somebody has a challenge with it, it's their problem. And I stopped. And everybody had stopped, and it was quiet after she yelled. And I said, that's funny, because when I was putting on this sweater, I wasn't thinking about you. And everyone said, oh! And then they left me alone. And everyone was like, oh, Kelly, that's Kelly. He's got his own style. He wears his own thing. I wasn't wearing my own thing. I just couldn't afford <laughs> the thing that I wanted. And then by the time I graduated from high school, people were like, oh, yeah, he's got his own style. He's always wearing something different. I was like, I'm wearing something different because I can't get what you got. Like, and <laughs> but my parents imparted that, and they gave me three things, man, and it became my, my heart set. Most people like in life, what they're looking for is a skill set. Then the, there's an elite few that, that, and you hear this all the time, like, you got to change your mindset. But there's very few, if any, that ever really get to the place that really matters, which is the heart set. Hmm. See, my parents set my heart set. My mom told me that I was awesome, I was beautiful, and I could do anything that I put my mind to. My, my pop summed it up. He was a simple guy. He was like, boy, you're the greatest, so act accordingly. So that was my heart set. It was my belief system, what I heard, what I saw, what I became aware of through my senses, and that was my heart set. Then my mindset was, my mom told me to be kind, contribute to every environment possible, make a ton of friends, because then you don't have to be good at anything. I don't have to be the best speaker in the world. Why? Because I know Chandler. <laughs> and if Chandler's my buddy and you're the best speaker in the world, I can just hang out. I can just be myself. And then the last one was just to be curious. Be curious about what other people are doing because I got to sit with Cole and hear his life story and hear some amazing things. And I'm thinking, and I'm complaining about some when this guy at 21 years old was homeless four years ago, getting robbed, getting all these things, and going through what he went through because I was curious, because I already know what I did. Hmm. And then my skill set is simply relentless, right? So what happened was is I created the heart set you're awesome. You're beautiful. You can do anything. You're the greatest, so act accordingly. My mindset, which is my intentions, be kind, make friends, be curious. And my skill set, it's relentless. It doesn't matter what I apply it to. And that became, once all those things were in line, it became my vibe. And that vibe is irresistible. It doesn't matter if I start a podcast or if I do this or if I start salons or do whatever. People are going to be attracted to it. Hmm. And they're going to be like, oh, there's something about you. I know what it is. My heart set, which started from a basis of Jesus, developed my mindset, which was my attentions, and gave me my skill set. So you may be looking at my skill set and the results of it, but I'm looking at the only way to be able to have sustainable uh, results is to look at the one who owns it all and give him the, the, the glory. And so when someone asks me about Jesus and they say, like, oh, wow, how could you do it? Now you just open up. I'm not pushing it on you, but I could tell you about Jesus now. Because you just asked about my results. Hmm. That's that's a, that's a that's a good question that I want to ask you next. Yeah. Is um, man, you are around like you said. You're around some of the most influential people in the world, and there's people that say that, and then there's people that actually are doing that. And you don't say that to flex. You say that because that's just kind of the world that you operate in. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so beautiful because that's where God has given you favor and God has gifted you. A lot of the circles you run in. I think it's I think it's phenomenal that you're there because my mentality is I know you. I know how often Jesus comes up when we talk <laughs> and it's not even talking about Jesus, it's talking about just other things. Um how have you seen people react or even embrace the fact that you love Jesus, that that God is the foundation for your life and what drives and motivates you? How have you seen that people react to that because I think that a narrative amongst young adults is the world hates Jesus, so I need to be quiet about it so I don't offend anyone. When in actuality, is that even true? 
Like, it, it, is that even your experience as you are in these spaces where it's not about Jesus at all? It's about maybe even self-gain and self-promotion, but then you get to be there and give all the glory to God. How has that reaction felt? <laughs> can, can I compare it to something that I'll probably get in trouble in saying it in church? I mean, sure. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we could always just edit. <laughs> okay. All of you in the audience right now and all of you listening have had this time on a Friday night where you had a really, really good time and maybe you weren't the most Christ-like. And you had some adult beverages, maybe even if you weren't an adult. Oh, yeah, you, you don't have to beat around the bush here. These are all college students. They and, know what you're talking and about. And you had too much of that adult beverage. And the next day, when your friends were around or your parents were around, you were sweating, and it smelled just like that adult beverage. <laughs> That's different than you taking that adult beverage and pouring it all over the top of you and walking around to people. What I mean by that is most of the time people take Jesus and dump it on the outside of them and they don't let him exude from their pores. You see, when I speak, it's simply exuding from my pores because every single day, even this morning, Proverbs 7, like if you look at 7, it's the corresponding proverb for the corresponding day. And I read it this morning. So when I talk to you, I'm going to talk to you about adultery, not in the adultery of you and your life, but the adultery that God was speaking to me this morning about, about anything outside of him is adultery. It would be the same thing as you bringing another woman into your marriage. Wow. And so when you look at it through that lens, but I'm not speaking from a part of like, let me dump it all over me and walk up to you and be like, yo, what about vodka? Do you know vodka? Did you know I was partying last night? No, you're going to smell my breath. You're going to smell my sweat. And most of the time, as Christians, we ain't sweating Jesus. And if we sweat Jesus, we wouldn't have to talk about him because people were like, like, he just had some Jesus last night. And I think in that realm, um, but I have. I, I had a woman. She was the artistic director of Paul Mitchell. I was 21 years old. I had just got the job. And I had just got the job with Paul Mitchell at the time. And she's the, the GOAT. She's like there was Paul Mitchell, the guy, and then her. And I was at her facility, and I, they said, uh, do a story and then uh, do a, a connection point with the product. Well, everyone else had been reading all these books, and the only book that I was reading at the time was the Bible. <laughs> so I got up in front of a bunch of hairdressers, which is – probably the least godly industry in the whole entire world besides the adult film industry. And I talked about Moses and the Israelites and how they escaped from Egypt, and I connected it back to the belief system and all this stuff and connected to Paul Mitchell. And I tell you, she about snatched a knot in my tail. She pulled me into her office. She sat me down. She said, I, she pointed at me. She said, I'll tell you, you don't say things like that. And wow. I said, and I, I said, well, you told me to tell a story and reference it to a book. The only book that I'm reading out of respect is that. And then I apologized and we moved on and I'm freaking out. This is my, uh, this is the woman that I, when I was in hair school, I chased for like three years and I finally got the job and now I'm here and she hated me because of it. But what was crazy is five years later, I'm at the house of blues. We're about to do a hair show. I'm backstage. I step off of the house of blues on the, um, Disney or downtown Disney and I step out of the backstage and I step onto the, the, the metal stair rail out comes that woman and she walks up to me she grabs me and I'm thinking she's going to yell at me again <laughs> she said hey I just want to thank you and I said well, for what she said five years ago I was into the self-realization I was into crystals and all that and so when you spoke Jesus' name it offended me she said, but I gave my heart to the Lord recently, and it was because you were willing to stand up and talk about Moses when you were supposed to be talking about him. Wow. You have no idea the impact that you're going to have on somebody, and you don't know what God is doing now that he's going to bring into fruition in 10 years. And so I wasn't out there trying to, you know, I'm not out there trying to save her, get her saved. Right. But that morning, Jesus was oozing from my, I was sweating Jesus, and she smelled it, and she got offended. 
but it started her on her journey and now she's my par- my kids grandmother wow which is an icon in the professional beauty industry but now she's just grandma jean and she is an on fire christian it's amazing when you think about how god is giving you this like natural charisma right <laughs> it's easy to take that and uh make it pretty much about like yourself but one of the things that I think you do best is like you said you constantly ask questions and I I'd like to encourage young adults one of the best things you can do is never stop learning like uh our dear friend Dr. Lemuel Benjamin Yusita uh he used to talk to me all the time about um you know he has a doctorate a he's a literal doctorate in education Mm -hmm. the man is brilliant but the amount of times he would ask me questions and try and learn from me humbled me to the points where I was like I'm I'm really trying to learn from a lot of people and I saw you you're a living example of this before you're in a conversation with my boy Cole asking him every question about his life how have you seen that shift people towards a receptivity to Christ and then maybe what's a story that you've seen of you just having a conversation with someone and then instantly you're in a spot where because of their story, you're able to tell them about Jesus. I'd like to address one thing that you said, which you, you said there was a natural charisma, um, but none of that is natural. And so it goes to, uh, um, you know it better, but it was David uh, when he went up against Goliath and everyone was f- afraid of the Philistine. And he turned to him and he was very calm and he said, I killed some lions, I killed some bears. So this guy in front of me ain't no challenge. And so what I want you to know is that charisma was not natural. I've killed some lions. I've killed some bears. And so these things that are in front of me, the circumstances that are in front of me right now, I don't have a challenge with. But I was a kid growing up, and I I was scared to talk in front of people. I stuttered because I couldn't read well. But God kept putting me in those places. And then a little caveat before we get into that is he gave me when you talked about uh, directing the eyes to back to him, in 1997, he gave me Romans 9:17, which says that God will put Pharaoh in this place that when Pharaoh spoke, then people would hear God's voice and not his. And he gave me that, and I was like, yes, he's going to put me in a place when I speak, then they have to listen, and when they listen, they'll hear God's voice. And I was like, you spoke to me, God. And then he followed it up with the story of King Herod Agrippa, And King Herod Agrippa was a great king, and he walked out, and all the people said, that's not the voice of a man, that's the voice of a God. And he didn't say anything. He just thought in his mind that felt kind of good, and God struck him dead right then and had him uh, eaten from the inside out with maggots. So God showed me this revelation of like, yay, you're going to talk, and people are going to listen, they're going to hear my word. And then he said, if you ever get to the point where you think it's your voice, then I'm going to have you eaten from the inside out with maggots, like that was pretty strong. I was like, God, can you back off a little? Like, give me a little. But he's kept me in that place. Yeah. Kept me strong in that place. So the the last question, tell me the last question again, because I, I wanted to make sure that that, that yeah, part was there. Maybe a story about how you've gotten to a place where you've been asking someone questions about them, curious about who they are. That's led you to a place where you've gotten to also then in turn tell them about Jesus. I find that it turns, it, it definitely turns people, um, it, it turns them on their head. Um, it, it, I, I don't know that he's there, but um, I, w- I got a chance to talk to John Paul DeJoria, and he's not a, um, you would say, a Jesus guy. Um, but I would just, every time that I've been around him, and I, it's not like I'm hanging out with him all the time, um, but I got a chance to talk to him, and I've asked him questions over and over again. And I already know my story. I want to know his. And I find that if you literally will just ask a question, shut up, and then listen, y- like with Cole, like I, I learned, I mean, if you guys don't know Cole and if you're listening right now and you don't know Cole, ask him a question and then shut up and listen, and you'll learn a lot about yourself during those stories. But with John Paul, it was crazy because that happened, and I would ask questions, and I would just, I would say my name, and then I'd ask us a question. And I, I specifically remember um, a time where we were in front of 2,500 people and he mentioned Jesus. Hmm. And he, 
introed me, another guy that was there, the artistic director of Paul Mitchell, he introed him and he said, he spoke about Jesus and then the artistic director of Paul Mitchell in front of 2,500 people that are hairdressers call me a Jesus lover. And it's like, that's the most offensive name in the world in most circles outside of this. Sure. And to see that, I just, I think that he's always at work and, and you just don't know. Um, so make sure, again, I, I know it's a bad thing, redundant, but let him ooze. Let him ooze from you. Don't try because God doesn't need your help. Yeah. He doesn't need our help. He, he'll do the work, but he just, he wants, like, can I tell you a quick story? Please. So I was fishing in Oceanside. There's about 21. And I cast it out, and then I reeled it in, and I got a bite, and then I reeled it in, and there was no bait. And I did this about five times. I got really mad. I was like, God, like, can you help a brother out? I feel the bait. He keeps hitting it. And help, let me go home with a fish. And he said, put the bait on the hook. I said, put the bait on the hook. He said, look at the Look at the bait. I said, okay, God, like, I see a hook. I see the, the bait. That's what it is. He said, look how much of the worm doesn't have the hook. Hmm. And I said, okay. And he said, that's why the fish can bite, take your worm, not get the hook. And he said, I'm the hook. He said, what part of you in your life doesn't have the hook all the way through it? Is it you at the grocery store? Hmm. Is it you while you're playing basketball? Is it you in your musical choice? Is it you, the way that you're speaking to kids or the way that you're speaking to a person when they didn't do what you wanted? Because, son, I want to be so intertwined in every aspect of your life that if they touch your toenail, they'll get Jesus. Hmm. And then I, I'm a bonehead. So I was like, oh, you're talking about fishing, God. So then I strung the, <laughs> the, the, the uh, hook all the way around. And then uh, the worm was like just mad at me because it was all crinkled up on the hook. I tossed it out, and he didn't let me catch a fish. I still got bit, and he took the bait, and he was saying, I want every ounce and every fiber, and imagine if you broke it down to every little thing that you did, the way that you wake up, the way you get off the phone, the way you get on the phone, the way that you greet someone at uh, Crumble Cookies, which I would like some. Amen. Imagine. If every aspect, and, and then just search your body. Search your body, search your being. And if there's something that isn't, don't get hard on yourself. Give yourself grace. But put Jesus in that area. I love it. That's a, that, this has been a, a master class on an identity in Christ. Naturally understanding that it has to ooze from us. That if we don't have the right filter, we can't go to the places that God doesn't want us to go to. And then we have to constantly take account of who we are and where we are and make sure that God's intertwined in all of it. I think that's what's brilliant is we haven't necessarily talked about an identity in Christ, but everything you've been saying has been leading to the fact that what creates an identity of Christ is more of Christ in your life. And Kelly, that's what I appreciate most about you. Um, I want to take a moment right now and uh, see if there's any questions. Yeah. Um, Can I share with them some practical application? Please, please because do. Practical application, I think, is a part that sometimes we'll get inspired um, or we'll get motivated, and we don't have a practical application. And a practical application for me, wha which was a big one, was to simply go into Proverbs and do the corresponding proverb for the corresponding day. I read a book, and it told me that I would triple my income if I just did that for 365 days in a row. And because I read the book, I was like, well, I want to try this out, and I, I wanted to test God. Now, I'm not guaranteeing that, but I tell you, every single thing that you need to know in business is in Proverbs. It was written 2,000 years ago, and, and read it, the, the Proverbs, and it will speak to you different every single day. Second thing is physically writing. The reason why I put these up here, well, I, I just, uh, and, and annotate. This was a thing that my um, friends got <laughs> mad at, but this is, this is Proverbs. And so, like, when you go through Proverbs, like, they're all, it's, I've, I've ha actually had to um, glue it back into my Bible um, because I've overworked Proverbs, but there's a different note on every day, and it's a, a like a, 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 a timeline of when I had it, and it wasn't to remind God. It was to remind me of where these things came from. 
And so feed on the word. And if, if you're not doing just Proverbs every single day. The second thing, once you fill yourself up, and I'm working on my filter because I'm constantly just doing it. Second thing is physically right. These changed my life. So these are journals. Um, I think this one's my daughter's. Yeah. So that's my daughter's. This is her second journal. And these are letters that I write to her almost every single day. So I've missed a couple of weeks at times, but I started, if you don't mind me telling the story. She was 11 years old during the pandemic time. I'm in Santa Barbara. Or in Lompoc, so it's six hours away. I get a text that says, um, this is from McKenna. But the text was from a number I didn't understand. The text was from her best friend's mom. And it said, this is from McKenna, my daughter. And mind you, she's 11. And it said, Lily, who's that woman's daughter, or, or her daughter, which is my daughter's best friend, Lily, if this is the last time that I talk to you, I want you to know that I love you. Wow. It's my baby. I'm six hours away. I hop in the car. I get my daughter on the phone. And I keep her on the phone, and I make it home in three and a half hours. But God let me know is there's not, there can't be a day that she goes by, that she lives, that she doesn't know just how valuable she is. So I started writing a letter to her every day. And I would write seven letters, give it to her at the end of the week. She would read them the first couple of weeks, and then she'd give it back to me. After a couple of weeks, she stopped reading them, but I realized that God wasn't doing it for her. He was doing it for me to focus on all the great things that she was doing because I had to write a letter to an 11-year-old that would call me out if I wrote the same letter two days in a row. <laughs> and because I did that, I had to do one for my son. So I started it on my son's. And it was just a, it was a very specific letter saying, hey, I love you. We played football the other night. You're amazing. You did this. And it had to be very specific. And because I did it for my son, I've got a wife. And so I started writing my wife letters. And it transformed our marriage. Because I had to figure out the things that she was doing great. And I had to be specific on it. And I tell you, the power of writing when you slow down the power of writing a letter to the most important people in your life. And I'm not telling you to do this with every person because it will take your whole day. But what three minutes, I took three minutes on each letter today. What three minutes will do, it will change your life and change your relationships. It will slow you down and it will have you focus on all the things that you're grateful for, not all the things that you lack. And the last one was this one. And I write uh, three pages a day unconsciously just dropping whatever I can do. And what it does is it clears my brain. Sometimes it's a letter to myself. And sometimes it's just asking God for some stuff. So I've got a little tab that says um, God talking. And if you don't mind, I'll share one with you. With you. Um, if we go to this and I go to tags, um, does that say God talking? Because my eyes mm -hmm. are 48, not 30, like you. 29 still. So You're 29 still? A couple more days. Okay. Holding on to every fiber. So, um, let me go back here real quick. So this, an uh, it, it, it shows, uh, there's an asterisk where God starts talking. And I'll ask him a question. And every time I ask him a question, he answers. He said, Kelly, my son, I'm here, and I'm working on your behalf. Just keep praising me, and I will open the doors that I have designed for you perfect. Uh, I have designed you perfectly, or you are perfectly made in my image, and I will prosper you when I see fit. Give me the house and the neighborhood situation. I will bless it. Son, I have already written it. Experience this love and joy with your family right now. I love you, son. I will be by your side always. At the mountain peaks and at the darkest valleys, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Walk with me, son. Laugh, be filled with joy. 
because I own it all and you have it when you rest in me. I love you, son. When you start writing, you will unlock an unbelievable relationship with Jesus and he wants to talk to you. But a lot of times we don't slow down enough and we're not quiet enough to be able to hear him. And that practical application, fill yourself up with the word first. Write to yourself second. Write to the people that are the most loved in your life third. That practice will probably take you about 20 to 30 minutes, but it'll save your life. That's brilliant. Yeah, we, um, when I was a good husband in, in your uh, men's group, I would do this with my wife, and she still gets mad at me that I uh, have paused on doing it. I say pause because I didn't stop. There it's we just go. A <laughs> it's just a dry season right now. <laughs> but uh, anyways. Okay, questions. Um, yeah, sorry. Questions for Kelly about anything. Andrew asked, how do you handle a busy life, still have a great relationship with Jesus, the people in your life? Um, Kelly? It's a phenomenal question, and I feel like it's not Andrew. I think that that's Jesus there convicting me of stuff that uh, he knows that I'm doing. You hear that, Andrew? You're God. Yeah, and, <laughs> no, and <I'm> <laughs> right? <laughs> I, think, I think it's a tough thing, and it, it's, it's, not, it's not ever going to go away. Um, but I think for a long time I wore the word busy as a badge of honor. And when, you know, young, as young people, this is going to be like that boomer thing to say. I'm not a boomer, but my kids called me that this morning. Um, cause my son was like, um, giddy ka. And I was like, what, what does that even what? mean? I have no idea. Jiddy ka, jiddy ka. He was like, jiddy ka. And I was like, I don't know what that means, son. And then, but I just kept saying it. And he's like, you're not using it in the right context. And I was like, and then he was like, Giat. And, and I now know that that's a nice booty. Oh, no. Or that's what he said. That's what my 11-year-old son said. He said, a level 10 Giat. Maddox, we're going to have a conversation after this. Okay, so you need to teach him. But again, I'm a boomer that way. So in that way. But when, I, when I'm saying it is, as, as young people, you, this is a bad word. I'm going to get in trouble. We can, we can splice it. Justin, close yeah. your ears. But no, no. <laughs> don't fall prey. This is from my wife. Don't fall prey to the hustle porn. Oh, you're not in trouble for saying that. Hustle porn. Because we see porn as this, like, you know, really bad thing, but then we look on Instagram, we look on Facebook, and then there's the guys like, yo, I woke up at 4.45, I cold plunged, and then I did 60 burpees, and then I did this, and I did that, and I did this, and if you're not doing it, you ain't nothing. And then we grow up in that, and I was a part of it. Um, but I changed the word, and it changed the result. So now when someone asks me, they're like, oh, man, you're so busy. You're so busy. You got time for me? I'm like, and they're like, what are you doing today? I'm like, I'm trying to be as unbusy as possible. Hmm. And I would say that try the things that mean the most right when you wake up. Like this morning, I did not want to move my body at all. But I got up and then I did some silly app that's not changing my body at all. <laughs> but I was out in my yard doing some stuff jumping jacks and stuff like that because i'm 48 and i need to move and i need to stay alive and then i would say two things um i have to use glasses you saw me do it but what god showed me one time was that most people don't have the vision to understand the word because they don't put on the Holy Spirit, which is the glasses that improves their spiritual vision. I'll put these on because that's blurry, but I most of the time won't put on the Holy Spirit because the wor uh, God's word is blurry. Ask God for the Holy Spirit to translate the word because the word won't come alive. It'll just be words on paper if you don't. Ask for that and do those things early. Try it early. 
and then all the rest of the stuff will take care of itself. I love it. I love it. The question was about questions. What's your favorite question to ask someone? I love that. This is going to sound like a cop-out. But it's the one that they're not prepared to answer because I see their heart. That is so true. I deal with You've people. done this to me so many times, I deal bro. with people all the time. I had uh, You guys know who Stephen Covey is? Yes. Stephen so Covey Stephen is a M. R. phenomenal Covey. author. One of the top yes. speakers in the world. I had him on the podcast, and he was ready with his presentation for his new book. And I asked him about his dad. <laughs> and he started crying. And he stuttered. And I was like, that's real. Because think about it. Like, if we're dating, if you're making a new friend, a lot of times you have your elevator speech, speech that's ready. But when they ask you a question that you weren't prepared to answer, that's when you see somebody's heart and when you see who they truly are. And that's when you see, are they sweating Jesus? Are they sweating the words that they're about to puff up and say? And most of the time, you'll be able to see their character. Yeah? Yeah, I feel like, I, th I think that's such a great question to ask, Anthony, because I think, like, having a canned question is nice, but oftentimes you know what question you should be asking. You know, like you go into a conversation, at least if you've, if you've, if you've already met someone, if you're meeting someone for the first time, you got to get to know them a little bit, you know, ask about their passions. But then like, once you're in a conversation, you know what you should be asking them, but then you don't want to. Cause you're like, do I have time for this? <laughs> like you got to be unbusy for like the real question. <laughs> Can I tell you a real time? Like this just happened. My wife was really mad at me and this will probably get me to not speak at daybreak. Like my, my whole entire, like one of my biggest goals in the world is to speak here at daybreak. Like, seriously, that, I mean, it's one of those things. But I told Pastor Jason a couple things, and he was like, I'll never have you speak there. <laughs> um, not Pastor Graves. I, I, I've, I've alluded that, but uh, Giannotti said it. And I was like, well, just don't tell Graves, and we'll be good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so when you talk about questions, watch this. There's this lady. I'm at this convention. It's called Prosperity Camp. It's not a godly thing at all, whatever. I'm in the kitchen. I'm talking to this lady, Eileen, and she says, hey, I want you to know, she gets really serious. She grabs my arm. She's like, I want you to know Les Brown saved my life. Well, Les Brown's a big motivational speaker, one of the top in the industry. And I was like, wow, I, I didn't know. I'm like a kid. Like, I didn't know he was an EMT. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm thinking. I didn't say that, but that's what I'm thinking. Because I'm being a, like a smart butt at this time. And she's like, and then she says it again. She's like, Les Brown saved my life. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> and she's like, I was just about to kill myself and I saw his book and I stopped. And I was like, how are you going to do it? And <laughs> she didn't expect that. She expected me to go into her emotion. And I was like, I want to know how you were going to do it. And she, I said that and she's like, in a car. And then she tried to go back to her story and I was like, how? Were you going to drive off a cliff? And she was like, no, the way that everyone does it. And I said, how? And she said, you know, with a hose in the car. Turn the car on, inhale, then you die. And I was like, what kind of hose? <laughs> and she looked at me just shocked. And I said, was it, and she's like, what? And I said, was it a slinky hose that kind of retracts? Was it, and she's like, no, no, no. It was a garden hose. <laughs> and I said to her, it's always the hose trying to bring you down. And there was a silence, and then there was laughter. And she laughed, and she laughed at this thing that was so crazy. And I was like, yes, I got her, right? I was waiting on it. And that night, I went home. And I stayed up till 3 in the morning 
thinking how I was going to deliver this message to that same audience the next day while she's in the room. And I was like, I'm either going to be the worst person in the world, which some of you that are listening think I am right now, or I am going to be the greatest guy and make everybody laugh and bring this thing together. So in the morning, she walks up to me, Eileen walks up to me, and she's like, hey, Kelly, I just want to let you know that I've never told that story to anyone ever. And I'm thinking, I stayed up all night last night trying to figure out how I'm going to land this punchline. And she told me that, and I was like, oh, wow. And she's like, I've never told anyone, only my husband, and I don't know why I told you. And I'm thinking in my head, I know why I told you, why you told me, because I got you to laugh. <laughs> and then I get in front of 85 people, and Eileen is dead center. And I said, Eileen, would you be okay with me telling them what you told me yesterday? And she looked at me wide-eyed, and she was like, okay. And I went through, and I told the story, and everyone's on the edge of their seat. And then I hit them with a punchline. And when I hit them with a the punchline, they all paused like you did. And they were like, am I supposed to laugh? And then I laughed, and everyone died laughing. And she started laughing. She hugged her husband, and she said, someday I hope to meet Les Brown. Well, when I told the story and everybody laughed, someone in the audience was best friends with Les Brown, got Les Brown on the phone, got Les Brown to talk to her, and now she's working with Les Brown because she was willing to laugh at the thing that was so serious, which opened up, and now she could tell her story. Her mess became her message, but it took the question that most people weren't willing to ask. And my wife still thinks I'm a horrible person for crafting that joke. It was... He's pretty bold. But you got to be. And for me, you have to be in the moment and present because there's no way you can manufacture that again. But God gave that ability, not because it's natural, but because I killed some lions. I killed some bears. So that way I could say, yeah, the hoes are always trying to bring you down. <laughs> you did say that. That is <laughs> insane. Oh, man. Uh, any any other questions? Uh, Ozzy, yes. Another great question. Uh, our dear friend Ozzy asked, uh, Kelly, being someone that is operates in the social media space and has grown his influence there. I'm not as good as you guys, so <laughs> I just want to tell you. Like, uh, ask Kelly, how do you um, continue to check your heart posture as you gain influence, money, fame in these different spaces? Um, and make sure that you're constantly – I can't even repeat the question because that's such an unreal yeah. question. Just basically asking unreal. how do you keep yourself, your heart and your intentions pure while also building your platform? <laughs> well, m my mom would always tell me that uh, the only thing that I had to be was just Kelly, right? That was the only thing. And if I'm just Kelly and I do what she told me to do, which was to be kind, I add to every environment, don't try and take away from it, being nice is different that obligation being kind is being of contribution if i make a ton of friends like you and i know you're great on social media and i want to be your friend because you're a heck of a lot better than me and if you're in that space and you're great like that i don't have to be that great i could just be kelly but she would tell me all the time all you have to be is kelly and for me my th whole thought process which i'm not a, a social media manager nor should you hire me for it because i'll tell you this <laughs> i do what i want and um, <laughs> some people, it'll catch on, and some it won't. I, I really, I, I'm not in it to build it. I'm just like, because people told me, like, you know, if you're building a business, like, I started doing a thing called 45 Seconds of Wisdom, and because everyone was talking, I just filmed my Bible for 45 seconds, and I didn't say anything. And I had people be like, well, who do you think you are? Nobody. I'm just Kelly. And I put the word out there. And then now I'll add a message to it or whatever. But I just try stuff. But I did find myself the other day because my YouTube, and you're probably better, you're a lot better than, but my YouTube would get more views on my shorts when I would do it at 10 seconds, just like a pow, pow. And then what I found myself doing is searching for the 10 seconds. And then I had to check myself. Mm. Am I doing this because I believe in it 
or am I doing this for 10 seconds and for the view? But I believe there's a way to do both. I can now think about it. I can deliver a, a message in 10 seconds. I just did a 12-second one today. And that 12-second one, it did well. Um, not crazy. But I think that it's, um, when I first started the podcast, I got really discouraged, and I called my brother, and I said, it's not growing the way that I want it to grow. And he said, Kel, if you made the desired amount of money right now from your podcast, would you love what you're doing? And I said, oh, yeah, 100%. I'm doing exactly what I love. He said, then fall back in love with it, and the money will come. And that's a hard thing. That's why I don't social media manage somebody because I go back to, like, if you want to create an irresistible vibe, we got to go to the heart set, which is the long term. We then go to the, the heart set beliefs. Mindset is the intentions. And skill set is just your actions. Um, but it's tough, man. Like, it sucks when you – I had one video where I did, and it, there was construction behind me, and I said – I love construction because I have a house in Park City and there was construction out in front. The uh, mountains were in the back. And I was like, I love this view of construction because it shows me that God is building something. And I was trying to be philosophical and then it went nuts. And then the comments on it were like, you're the type of person that's bringing down the world because construction <laughs> is taking away man's beauty or God's beauty. And I was like, that's not what I meant. Like, you didn't watch the video. But if you get caught up in that part of it, um, you know, and I don't know, uh, maybe that's a long answer for a very short question. It's a phenomenal question, but I struggle with it, man. Like, you know, because the algorithm, you hear about this all the time. The algorithm, the algorithm, the algorithm. Well, I always have to check myself. Let's go back. Who created the algorithm? Who created the mind of the person who created the algorithm? Who created the mind and the person and the cell? Well, it all goes back to Jesus, so he owns it anyway. So if you're serving him, he'll be able to circumvent any algorithms. I hope. Or I'll just keep seeing YouTubers that are making millions of dollars while I don't at it. But I'm o I'll be okay. No, I think that's that's a great answer, and I think you you live that well. If you follow Kelly on social media, and if you don't, you should. <laughs> um, you are you are you, and how you operate, how you live, how you treat people. Um, listening to your podcast, the questions that you ask of the people that you interview um, is phenomenal. I go back to um, one of my favorite episodes you've ever had done um, was with. Um, the general manager of the Titans' wife and her best friend. Oh. Um, what are their names? Uh, Jamie Robinson. And yes. I can't remember the other uh, the other name, but J uh, Jamie Robinson. Yes, and, and they were talking all about Nashville. Mm -hmm. But the ways that you would ask questions mm -hmm. that seemed as though you you three were best friends for mm -hmm. 20 years, um, that only comes when you're authentically yourself. Yeah. Ozzy, did that help? Did that does that help, or is there more clarification that you would like on it? Do you struggle with it? The uh, because you obviously, I mean, I know you, and I've I've seen your stuff. You know how to you know how to work the system. Do you struggle with working the system and not being uh, like completely heart centered, or are you or are you just cool in it? Those doubts are always going to be there, um, and but that is where like if doubt was gone, then your relationship with Christ would be circumstantial. Hmm. So it sounds crazy, but God always wants you to have some sort of doubt, never be sure, because that's where faith starts. And there's no way to have faith unless you're kind of freaked out a little bit. And it's like, I mean, sometimes it does make me mad. Like I, I just dealt with it on the way here. I got in my truck and I, I was coming up from uh, from my son's school and 
there was a friend of mine who has a substantial amount of money, and I have a f another friend who has a crazy following as far as YouTube, like has more views than Tony Robbins and uh, Eric Thomas combined. You know, and I have a friend with money that was like, yo, I want in. And his voice was able to be heard on that platform. And I'm asking God, like, man, I'm doing your work, bro. Like, this just happened in my chart. Like, I'm doing your work, man. Like, I'm coming to daybreak tonight. Why don't you, why don't you give me, like, 15,000 subs when I get my truck after the interview. But that, again, like that's my relationship with God. Like I'm saying that, and I know he ain't going to give it to me. But I would say that that doubt will never go away, but it's okay. And for you to lean into that part, and also, too, like think about it. Jesus was the best social media manager of all time. But how'd he do it? Every time he healed, what did he say to the people? Don't say a word. And he left town before they could ever praise him. But we're still talking about him today. Hmm. You see, most kids in this generation think, if I don't do what the algorithm tells me to do, then I'm not going to get where I need to go. But God's saying, I own it all. I was just on a call with a guy that I had made friends with probably 10 years ago. I met him. His name is Tim Story. Tim Story is uh, uh, like one of Oprah's favorites, all this stuff, but he just became a friend of mine. He's like an uncle to my kid. I get on a, a podcast with him almost 10 years later, hanging out with him and a, a crew. I made a joke because I'm coming up on my 300th episode, and I looked at my wife while we were in Seattle to see Ed Sheeran greatest musical performer of our generation wow. bar none 100 percent take that down. taylor swift hands down he played every he it was him a guitar a loop and the keyboard he sang the background vocals produced it on stage he did the his vocals he did the uh the rhythm he did the bass and he did the keyboard and then sang the song and produced the whole thing in front of you in front of seventy-seven thousand people only person on stage greatest musician of our generation but I turned to her while we're in this concert, and I said, I'm coming up on 300 episodes. Who should I have on? My wife looks at me like, you should be watching Ed Sheeran right now. <laughs> and she looked at me very simply and said, Gerard Butler, because he was the star of 300. Oh. And then went back to watching Ed Sheeran and basically said to me, dummy, now I gave you the answer. Let's enjoy the concert. So I reached out to him on his Instagram the next, uh, the next day right away. I reached out, found on IMDb. I uh, reached out to his agent, did the thing. No response. I got on the call with Tim Story, who I'd met 10 years ago. I had no idea. And I made the joke that I was going to. I wanted Gerard Butler. Well, it just so happens one of the guys knows his manager and gave me the manager's phone number. So I'm going to call him tomorrow. God is bigger than any algorithm. God is bigger than any other thing. And I don't believe that you have to label yourself as a Christian content creator. If he calls you to do that, do it. But Jesus didn't walk into any town and say, hey, I'm a Christian. Hey, I'm Jesus. No, he just walked in and he did the work. And when you do the work, people see it. And then they'll ask. And when they ask, that's when you can transform. But imagine, like I think of myself, like a, like a, a like I, I wasn't able to get in special ops, but I think of myself as special ops. I don't look like a dude who would be talking about Jesus. I look like a guy who would be selling you weed. <laughs> <laughs> but when you see the result, then you ask me about it. Now I can share it, but it's not pressing it on you. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I love it. I think it's a great way to end, circling back to more of the conversation about identity. Um, for those of you listening uh, after this, all we're just going to say a million of you. Why don't I just get a million hits on our first podcast, huh, hey, Kelly? Give it to these guys. They'll get a million. <laughs> yeah. I know that. Cole is like, I um, got it. 
you know, if you have there, Andrew, if you have any questions, you want more information, follow um, Daybreak.ya yes. on Instagram. Follow at the real Kelly Cardenas. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Yeah. Wow, I know your Instagram handle. Come yeah. on, baby. But honestly, I think that they do, they don't need to follow me. They just need to follow this and, and Daybreak and Daybreak YA because anything that Daybreak is doing, you guys have the greatest pastors in the world. Like my son at 11 was sad last week because we didn't go to church. When we were riding home from school today, he was like, Daddy, can we go to church on Sunday? And that's because of you and Seth. Hmm. And my son at 11 wants to go to church. Your son is also the coolest young man I've ever seen in my life. Um, But for real, Kelly is um, who he is on stage is exactly who he is off stage. Um, He's real. He's vulnerable. He's transparent. He wants to help and support you. So thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us, Kelly. Thank you. And I'm going to steal your buzzword, Kelly. You are officially off the hot seat. We're done. Out.